Let's stand to our feet, and if you have your Bible, you can hold it up. If you don't have your Bible, hold up your cell phone. If you don't have your cell phone, hold up your iPad. And if you don't have your iPad, I was going to say hold up a hymnal, but I don't think they're here. <laughs> <laughs> then hold up the person next to you. <laughs> say this with me. I believe the Bible. It is God's Word, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe that book. It shows me the way to through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The book is filled with treasures, promises and assets that belong to me by faith. Today, faith will come. My faith will grow. And I will release my faith for miracles in my life. I declare the devil bound, unable to pluck up the seed that's planted in my heart this day. God, open the eyes of my understanding. Give me ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Give me a heart to obey. And help Pastor Dave preach real simple. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to look at just a few scriptures. Habakkuk 2.14 gives a prophetic word. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. I wondered why God is revealing knowledge about his glory this day. There was only one person I knew years ago, 1970s, that talked about the glory of God, and that was Kenneth Hagin. One tape, just one tape on the glory of God and some of the glory encounters that happened in some of the meetings that he had been in or was leading. But there was nuts about the glory of God, with the exception of maybe Ruth Ward Heffler, who wrote a book about the glory of God. But we had so little knowledge about the glory of God, and now we've got people like Joshua Mills, and we had Jennifer Ives in our church who just wrote that book, Glory Carriers, all about the different kinds of glory, Shekinah glory, Kabod glory, different levels of glory, going from glory to glory. And this scripture in Habakkuk, this prophecy said, the day is coming when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. And then there are other scriptures that say the day is coming when the glory of the Lord shall fill the entire earth. That's where we're aiming toward right now. We're aiming toward that day when Jesus rules and reigns and his glory will fill the entire earth. Right now, it's the knowledge of the glory that is filling the earth. I want to show you the master key to everything you could ever really want. We do, many of God's people don't understand the presence of God and the glory of God. 
a lady called the church and said, yeah, I'd like to talk to the pastor. And the secretary said, oh, he's in the presence of the Lord right now. She said, oh, I'm sorry, I hadn't heard. She thought he died. <laughs> you see, it's, we go into the presence of God. Now, there is an omnipresence of God, universal presence of God. He's everywhere. But there is another level of God called the manifest presence of God that actually brings the glory of God into a situation where you're actually disabled in the glory of God. In the anointing, you're enabled to do things you can't do on your own. But when the glory comes in, you're now disabled. You can't do anything. The priests could not stand to minister when the glory of the Lord came into the temple. That didn't mean... Oh, I just can't stand ministering in this temple. No, they couldn't stand to minister. They were disabled. So the enablement of the glory of God, God then did everything. And we're seeing signs of the release of God's glory more and more throughout the earth right now. And unusual things happening in churches that welcome the manifest presence of God. Churches like Amazing Grace. What if you came to Amazing Church one Sunday and every sick person was healed? Every disease took a hike. Every person that wasn't saved ran down and cried out to Jesus in repentance. And every person that wasn't spirit-filled left on a cloud speaking in languages they had never learned with their intellect. The unusual presence of God. It is the glory of God. Now, if you can picture many rooms all having a key to each room, and behind each locked door is what you need in life, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's uh, something to do with relationships, whether it's joy, whatever it is, and then you've got to figure out how to get the key to each room. I got the key to joy. Well, it's kind of, I, I need to get some healing this week, but it doesn't open the healing door. But there is a master key to every door. And that master key is the glory of God. And we're seeing it. Now, William Brandt, uh, not Brandt, William Brandt, uh, William uh, Seymour, 1909, the Azusa Street Revival prophesied. Now, some man that was in that revival said fire came out of the floor and it was like a cloud came into the meeting and every person was healed. No wonder people were coming from around the world to that little dumpy place, Zusa Street Revival. A hand crate for a, for a pulpit. But the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, the glory of God came in that place. And William Seymour prophesied in 1909 that in a hundred years, it's going to be like fires going around the world, the glory of God, and healing will become common in churches that accept the glory of God. Now, there are always early adopters or innovators. In 1994, something broke out in Toronto that became known as the Toronto Blessing. 
Now, whenever something like that happens, all of a sudden, the discernment ministries arise. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't mess around with that stuff. I hear people are barking like dogs and rolling down the aisles. Be careful of that. But the uh, 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 Anglican minister named Sandy Milnar from a place called Holy Trinity Brompton in London went over to Toronto to see what was happening and he went back to Holy Trinity Brompton and revival broke out at Holy Trinity. And that's when the revival broke out in the Anglican church in England. And you could tell the difference. I've been to England many times. And you could tell the difference two years after that revival broke out in Holy Trinity. The next thing you know, Kensington Temple with Colin Dye is having revival. It becomes a city church. They have to give tickets to get into church. So many people are trying to get into church. They had to set up video feeds in pubs and restaurants and hotels. In the church it was happening it was happening and that was a guy named over to Holy Trinity Brompton and he was just dead inside you know he would preach but there was no joy he was dead inside he went to Holy Trinity Brompton what happened boom he comes back John Kilpatrick says will you preach some revival services at our church in Pensacola Boom! How long did that revive it? Tens of thousands of people came to Jesus. Thousands of people were blessed. I even know the most conservative pastor you would ever meet in your life, pinstripe suit, Oxford shoes, burgundy tie. When he came back from Pensacola, he was dancing around like a crazy man. And then revival broke out in his church. You see, that's what happens. It starts to be perpetuated when we get it and then we carry it somewhere. Now, I've been in Holy Trinity Brompton and I've been in Kensington Temple in England. And I want to say that even though there may occasionally be some extremes or what you would consider extreme, God did something. God was restoring something. He was pouring his glory into meetings and doing what we could not possibly humanly do. It went beyond the anointing. You see, we use our faith. And faith, as you know, Sharon was talking about faith. Faith is the foundation. That's step one. But then we use our faith to move into the anointing where we're working with God, and then when we operate at anointing and we praise and we worship God and we sense the presence of God coming, we can move into the glory phase where all of a sudden we can't do anything, but God is out there doing everything. Yeah. We've had some experiences in the glory. I, I wish it was more often but I remember a service where a blind lady, uh, Ruby was her name, she came with her boyfriend. She didn't want to come. She thought we were a white suburban church and wouldn't receive her because she was African-American. And uh, she was uh, almost totally blind. She had light perception, but that was it. And she came up for prayer and at the end of the service, she said, Pastor, uh, 
I was blind when I came in here, and I can see. And I said, oh, praise the Lord. I once was blind, but now I see. And she said, no, I was blind, but now I can see. Well, I didn't know her, so I said, would you please go back to your doctor and verify that and have him send me a letter? Of all things, I found the letter that we were cleaning, you know, packing up stuff and cleaning out closets and things. I found the letter that doctor wrote me that week. Dr. Zendler, dear Pastor Williams, he, Ruby asked me to write you, and it, this was her condition. It's totally irreversible. I have checked her again. Pastor Williams, this is nothing short of a miracle. The glory of God came down. And when the glory of God, I don't even remember, I, I don't remember anything about praying. I don't, re, we, we just had a simple prayer time. I never saw her, never laid hands on her, just prayer time in a, in a group. And the glory of God came down. Uh, Ten years ago, Matt Anderson was homeless. He came into ones where the glory came down. He got hooked up with what we call Club 52. That's, that's where we, we help raise up millionaires that will be connected to the Great Commission. Ten, ten years later, uh, what is it? Yeah, ten years later, he's a millionaire. From homeless, drunk, drug addict to millionaire in ten years, God brought him to that. And he goes on every mission trip you can imagine. He was doing that before he could even afford it. The glory of God will take you places you've never been before. The presence of God will release a joy in our lives that you've never experienced before. Why do you think some people get so happy? See, they're just so happy. It's the joy of the Lord is their strength. But we're into a time when the glory of God is going to become more common in our churches. We're going to have glory encounters. The striving and struggling is going to end. And in the presence of God, we're going to have peace, and something like we have never experienced. And I believe that the body of Christ is now standing on the threshold of a new era of God's glory. And we may right now be at the, at the tipping point. Now, the glory of God is known as the manifest presence of the Lord. Numbers 14.21, But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. One pastor wrote and said, we're witnessing the glory and healing in our meetings weekly. God is releasing specific words of knowledge that are opening deaf ears, straightening backs, and have been twisted with scoliosis, restoring torn ligaments and joints, removing cancerous tumors, and healing cancer-ridden organs. The anointing is stabilizing hearts with arrhythmias, uh, healing chronic issues of pain, and much more. The glory realm of God's manifest presence, does this interest you? It's a place of acceleration. In other words, we can go farther in the glory of God than we could ever go in the natural. It's a place of acceleration. It's a place of miracle ease and rest. In the glory realm, we accomplish more, and people say, how did you do that? How did you do that? 
plans and strategies are released from heaven. We don't have to think up strategies and plans and programs because now they're coming from heaven in the glory of God. And when we follow heaven's strategies, we're catapulted. During a service in Indonesia, we just had two of our friends. Um, he was on my staff. Scott and, and Ruth Thompson, he'd been on my staff for, what, 17 years or almost 20 years, CPA. And God called him to the mission field. He had a glory encounter, and God sent him to Indonesia, the largest Muslim nation in the world. But it's, it's becoming more Christian. You know, at one point, there were only 2% Christians. Now there are 35% Christians. And uh, Scott and Ruth are there in Indonesia, and there was a service there in Indonesia, uh, a miracle service where a supernatural cloud appeared and lifted to the stage in the congregation as, as they were faithfully worshiping Jesus the way you and I were this morning. And all of a sudden, miracles of healing began happening all through the congregation. Deaf ears opened up. Nobody touched them. Nobody prayed for them. It just happened. That's what happens when the glory of God comes. Uh, people that were paralyzed began walking and dancing and praising God. They began, the list goes on and on and on. It's beginning to happen. And we're seeing pockets of it here and there throughout the world. But I believe that it's about to jump. It's about to jump to Wheeler, Michigan. It's about to jump. A church in Illinois reported that they had reached the tipping point in worship, and suddenly rays of light came to orchestrate a most spectacular heavenly light show. They said these lights danced in unison to the melodies that the worship leaders were playing. And these lights began to cover one of the walls and it came off the wall and then began to look three-dimensional like Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel. Looked like a giant atom that was just floating in the air. And then it sort of became a cloud. The, the, it, the, the wheel began to dissolve and it became a cloud over the church service. And suddenly miracles started being released supernaturally. For two hours, people were touched and transformed. Some people went out under the power and couldn't get up for two hours. They just, they just were there, and the God was ministering to them on the floor. Others received miracle after miracle, and, and then just as quickly as it came, it vanished. There are times we don't want to miss the times of the glory of the Lord. You get up in the morning on Sunday and you say, boy, you know, I just don't feel like going to church today. Yeah, you may have missed the day. You may have missed the day. I tell people, come to church because somebody needs you. You may be the key to somebody's healing or somebody's miracle. God may give you a word of knowledge and all you do is just reach out and touch another person and they're healed you don't want them to miss their miracle because you had a little headache 
thank you. Remember, I was a pastor for 30 years. I could... I wished I'd had somebody come in and preach this to my church. (laughs) Now, what is the glory realm? We have to understand that the glory cloud that uh, Brother Hagin talked about is not an unprecedented uh, occurrence. Exodus 40, 33, 35, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 1 Kings chapter 8, we read about it when the Solomon finished building the temple. The glory came in. Exodus 16, 10, there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. And you know what I say? Come, Lord Jesus, and fill us with the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The glory is a manifestation of his presence. Now, Ruth Ward Heffler said, there's a certain atmosphere that attracts the glory of God. And we read in Ezekiel 43 and 44 all about the glory coming and what can hinder the glory. If we have time, I'll share just a few bullet points from that. But she said, what we do is we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. Now, you can't do this in every Sunday service. But in smaller groups, You'll have time to do that. He said, we praise until the spirit of worship comes, and then we worship until the glory comes. And when the glory comes, advancement comes, acceleration comes, miracles come, strategies from heaven begin to come. I've had a few glory encounters, but I want to have more. My friend... They, they rented office space from us in our office building. He was a vice president of a financial services group, and they always wanted to start a business in California, Southern California. And they were down in Florida. They didn't like Florida. They were down in Florida, and the Lord began speaking to them about opening a branch office, moving to Florida. They didn't want to, but the minute they surrendered, they said, okay, Lord, all of a sudden, Grace, the the wife, started having a glory encounter, and God began showing her things about the future. And in, what was it, 15 days or so, they were out of Lansing and in Fort Myer. Glory encounters, personal, it can happen in your home can happen in your small group. It can happen where, wherever you are. I believe that soon we're going to be witnessing some dramatic, dramatic glory encounters, unprecedented healing miracles when we meet to worship Jesus, and Jesus, of course, receiving all the credit. Ezekiel 44, 4, I looked and saw that the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord, And I fell face down on the ground. 
You see, when the glory comes in, Jesus gets all the credit for whatever happens. You can't say, well, it was the way he put the emphasis on, come out in Jesus' name. You know, everybody's got their, their you, can't, you can't say it's a method, it's a personality, only Jesus gets the credit. I remember 15-year-old Butch. I got saved November 1971 at Costa Mesa, California, Calvary Chapel in a tent when Chuck Smith was in Daniel chapter 2 going verse by verse, preaching for an hour and 15 minutes, and then giving a little altar call, I, I responded to that. That's where I got saved. And there was a 15-year-old guy named Butch who started a Bible study. And the Bible study grew and grew and grew, and he needed more space, and all we had was a tent at that time, and so he rented the Jewish synagogue to hold his Bible study on Thursday night or whatever night it was. And a lady came and said, Butch, would you pray for my eye? And he said, yeah, I'm going to pray. Butch figured she had just a little, needed a little healing. And she said, I have a glass eye, but I, sh I sure would like to see out of it. <laughs> and Butch didn't know it. He wasn't ordained. He hadn't been to theological seminary. He didn't know God doesn't do things like that. So he just laid his hands on the lady's, on the lady's eyelid and said, in the name of Jesus, oh God, help her see out of this eye. And she went home that night and her eyes, her glass eyes started itching. And, and then it started getting a lot of pressure. And so she popped out her glass eye and there was a brand new eye that grew behind it, a brand new eye. 15-year-old spirit-filled boy that knew how to flow in the glory. I know. But when he tells the pastor, what? You're not even ordained. How can that happen? God ordained him. And it seems as though all of eternity is now pouring into the present causing a great acceleration because Jesus really is coming soon. I know you're tired of hearing that. But the time will come when people won't endure sound doctrine. They'll run off having itching ears. Well, let me tell you, sound doctrine, Jesus is coming. Now, our access to the glory of God is through entering his presence until the glory comes. His manifest presence. His manifest presence, the glory of God, made possible by the Holy Spirit, will do for us what we can't do for ourselves. I was doing a minister's conference in Indianapolis. Was it Indianapolis? Uh, yeah, I think it was, it was in Indiana anyway. And uh, there were, I don't know, probably 300 pastors and their wives. And there was one ordinary-looking young man. He didn't seem too bright. And I asked the superintendent, well, what about that young man there? Because you know how you, you, the Holy Spirit kind of highlights somebody to you at times? He said, oh, let me tell you about him. His name is Joshua. And he said he became a credential holder when he was like 24. He finally was able to pass the test. He said he... 
he seems to be a little slow, and, but he wanted to pastor a church, and he kept pestering me about pastoring a church. And he said there was only one church I could trust to send him to, and that was a storefront that only had one member left. So, so we sent Josh to this little storefront church in Indiana, and Joshua had never pastored, didn't know how to do it, so you know what he did? He'd just walk around in the church praying for three hours every day. He's in there praying, worshiping, until the glory of God. Well, what happened? God released strategies to that young man. That church grew. It, was, it, it, couldn't, it couldn't hold any more people. And so he realized he'd have, he'd have to knock out the walls and buy the, buy the uh, unit next to that in order to make the church grow. And so he had architects come in. It would be $54,000. But he was in a storefront. Most of the people that were coming were not very wealthy people. So what does he do? He just keeps praying three hours a day. Lord, I don't know what to do, but you know what to do. And he starts talking to God, worshiping Jesus, praising Father, Son, Holy Spirit. A knock comes to the front door. He needed $54,000. He didn't have it. A knock comes to the front door, and he looks out, and there's this lady standing at the door, very well-dressed lady. And he said, yes, and he, she said, yeah, well, what, what's going on here? And he said, well, we're a church, a church. You mind if I look around? No, come on in. And she looked around, and she asked him question after question after question. And she got out her checkbook, and she said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I just feel impressed to write a check to you, young man. And she, made out the, she wrote out the check and handed it to him, God only knew what they needed. It was $54,000. $54,000. And here is a guy that the world views as slow. Very unimpressive. But I'll tell you, he impresses heaven when he goes into the glory. Now, I was ministering in South Africa, uh, we had a whole series of places we were going in Europe, and then we would go to Malawi, Kenya, Tanzania, and finally end up in South Africa. And they had rented an arena for me in Mitchell's Plain down by Cape Town, and they said, we're going to have a miracle service. I said, we are? Yeah. I said, well, who, who's leading it? You are. I said, I am? And they introduced me as the miracle man from America. And here's all these people in this arena. And they introduced me, and I walked, I walked up. And when I found out I was doing that, I said, Lord, I need your glory. I can't do this. As soon as I walked up to the platform, I preached about miracles, and I saw something descend over the crowd. And suddenly, and this had never happened to me quite like this before, I started having words of knowledge. I said, there's somebody with a frozen knee uh, from an injury, and it's just frozen, bent. I said, come down here. God wants to loose it. And sure enough, this, this man comes up, and I, I'd never touched him. I just said, wait, 
you're healed. Kick it out. He kicked it out and he could walk. I started calling out things. People are coming down, crying, being saved, being healed. And I had nothing to do with it. It was the glory of God that came in that place. And that's what God is desiring for us, to be glory walkers, glory carriers, not seeking glory for ourselves, but seeking the manifest presence of God on our lives. Ezekiel said, I looked to see that the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord, and I fell down on the ground. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 44, it tells us what hinders or can stop the glory of the, glory, the glory of the Lord. How many would like to experience the glory of the Lord in your family, in your personal life? How many would like to experience the glory of the Lord in your meetings? And How about your business? How would you like to have a business where the glory of the Lord just draws people in, draws people in? They say, I don't want to go to that other business. I want, for some reason, I'm feeling drawn to this business. That's the glory. The glory of the Lord can do it. Put your hand on your heart and say, I know the glory of the Lord can do it. Even when I cannot. Now, Ezekiel tells us some things, and I'll close in about five minutes, okay? Because I, I, I don't want you to sit longer than you can sit. <laughs> no, I, I just don't want to abuse the privilege of being here. I, in verses 8 and 9, he said detestable sin. Detestable sin is something that will prevent the glory of God. Number two, unsanctified temple workers. Ezekiel 44, 6 to 8 talks about that. Now, when I mention this, you see, I want to walk, I want to walk lightly before the Lord. There are some people that can do some things and they have no conscience about them. And, and, you know, maybe I can do some things that don't seem like sin to me, but they would to some, somebody else. But let me, I have seen people, Christians, and I'm not trying to get on a soapbox here. I just don't want anything to prevent the glory of God from working in my life, your church. I've seen people start getting involved in things like Christian yoga. And uh, Christian yoga began not by a Christian, but by a Hindu. Paramahansa Yogananda wrote the book Jesus in Yoga. And here's what I've seen. I've seen they think it's just stretching and just exercising and breathing and meditating. And it's everywhere. At the YMCA, it's at your local park, it's everywhere. And then I've noticed that after time, they actually begin believing that Jesus, when he was 18 years old, went to India to learn yoga to bring it back to teach his disciples. That's the wrong Jesus. You see, it, it, they're, they're slowly slipping away from the Jesus 
who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, the eternal Son of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the one who lived a sinless life, the one who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed, oppressed of the devil, the one who died on the cross for the sin of the world, yours and mine, the one who was raised from the dead, the one who guaranteed he's coming back again after he ascended into heaven. Just before he ascended, he promised, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That's the Jesus I worship. I do not worship a Jesus that went to India to learn yoga so he could teach it to his disciples. But I've seen step by step how they're slipping away from the faith and they don't even know it because syncretism, syncretism is when we try to blend something pagan with our Christian faith. And you know, you can't, you can't do it because two years down the road, five years down the road, the trap is going to spring on you. I want the glory of God. I want to worship Jesus Christ, not Shiva, Vishnu, Brahma. I want to worship Jesus. Jesus, the Son of the living God. And so detestable sin and unsanctified temple workers stop the glory of God. Lack of surrender to the Lord, verse 9. Pride was in there. Lack of unity. Fear as a, as a distraction. Cares, worries, burdens. In, here's one. Inconsequential overactivity. And distractions. You know, when, you're, when you've got a free throw in basketball, there's going to be some that are trying to distract you. You can't tell the ref, hey, tell them to shut up, would you? Tell them to be quiet. No, there's going to be distractions everywhere, but if we respond to the distractions, we get off course. We're going for the glory of God. We want to be glory bearers for God in this earth so that wherever... Jesus said, as I am in the world, as I am in this world, so are ye. You're going to be how people see Jesus. You represent Jesus. Jesus healed the sick. You're going to heal the sick with the power of the Holy Spirit when you're in the glory. Be, be that glory bearer uh, with Jesus. And here's what attracts him. Here's what attracts the manifest presence. You don't have to wait for a special service. You begin by expecting glory encounters in your private times, in the secret place. Jesus prayed this in John 17, 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus prayed for us that we would be able to behold the glory that was on him to do all the amazing things that he did. But here's the quick plan. Number one, you must be born again. You must be a child of God. And you know what that means. That means you have to be willing to turn from your pride, your sin, and everybody has sinned. If you've ever lied, ever gossiped, ever stole anything from work, as much as a pencil or roll of toilet paper, 
you've sinned. And you know what that means? One sin is enough to land you in hell for eternity. One. You say, well, I'll do two things to outdo that sin. No, there, God gave only one plan to get us into heaven and get us into his kingdom. One plan, and that was Jesus dying on the cross. And he said, hey, I'll take all your sin. And I'll give you all my righteousness if you'll receive me. And to as many as received him, gave you them power to become sons and daughters of God. But you got to receive Jesus. And that's a problem when we're trying to win Hindus to Christ. They, they all receive Jesus. But he's just one of 330 million others. Exclusively, preeminent, Jesus, the Son of the living God. Come to him, hey, you know, all your sins are then gone. He hits the clear button on your sin calculator and you get a big zero there. And when you stand before God and he said, why should I let you in? You say, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, come on in. What a deal. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? Secondly, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, that really is the gateway that is a gateway to glory encounters. Number three, and it really blessed me the way Pastor talked about this, you attract what you honor. And wherever there's an atmosphere of honor, you attract the glory of God if you honor the glory of God. If the glory of God is pouring out in an unusual way in a church and you hear about things happening, I guarantee somebody's always exaggerating when they tell you. But even if it were true, you honor, you honor the glory of God and you'll experience the glory of God. You'll attract it. See, you don't find alligators out in the field here. Why? They don't like the environment of Michigan. The Holy Spirit likes a certain environment. And that environment is an environment of honor. You honor your pastor. You honor your leaders. You honor fellow members. You honor people in the community. But mostly we honor Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So number three, it's, it's honor. We have to honor God's presence and number four is it's really important to keep the unity because we find whenever there was a glory encounter, there was amazing unity. Now, I'm not talking about unity where you, I'm not talking about conformity. Have you ever been to a church where all the women look like twins? I did too. I mistakenly, I mistaken. When I came back from California, I was used to Calvary Chapel, you know, and I came back and I, I knew Chuck was Pentecostal, so I looked up Pentecostal in the phone book. Big mistake. I went to one of those places. 
they don't even know if they're saved. All the women, they looked like they could have been sisters. They're, you know, and all the men were wearing black suits, and, and, and I was in blue jeans and a T-shirt. The preacher's up there spitting and yelling and saying, there's one person here today that, that needs to come and get Jesus. And I looked around. I was the only one that looked different. He said, I'm going to hold this altar open until that one person in this place res responds. And the next thing I knew, some guy grabbed my arm and said, come on, son, get up there and get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That was not like Amazing Grace Church. I couldn't remember if you wore ties here or not, so I wasn't going to take any chances. Oh, good? Okay, thanks, Sharon. So uh, number four is, is uh, keep the unity and harmony. Do your best to keep unity in your home, in your church. Understand levels of authority. The manifest presence of God, the glory realm, I believe is going to be the master key to everything you could ever desire, everything you could ever need. And this is why the enemy does provide so many distractions. It's always a tactic to distract. I want to pray for you. Uh, some of you, you may not remember that time in your life when you made a public profession of Jesus Christ. He said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me, he said, I'll have to deny you when you come. We're all, we all have a de destiny. We all have a date with destiny. Someday, we're all going to leave this life. Either when Jesus comes or when Jesus comes for us or when we go to him. But some aren't going to him. Some are going elsewhere to what I call the regions of the damned, a place reserved for the devil and his angels. And Jesus said, I'm going to make it really simple for you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, if you'll receive me and confess me before men, I will make you my child and you can have all my righteousness. All your sin will go back 2,000-some years to the cross where Jesus died. And you'll never have to answer for those sins again because they're gone. That's the deal. And I also want to pray for glory encounters in your life. But first, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. How many would say to me, Pastor Dave, I know beyond any question, if my heart were to quit beating or Jesus were to come, I'm ready to meet him. There's not a sin, nothing between God and me now. Everything is okay. I remember that day when I gave my life to Jesus. Slip your hand way up high. Thank you. Hands are going up all over, but not everybody raised their hands because, thank you, you may put them down. Because you're being honest, you didn't want to lie to me. But you so much want to be sure you have a home in heaven. I know how to pray a miracle prayer with you, and I'm willing to do it if you'll take another step. You're here today, and you'd say, Dave, would you pray 
with me. I really want to be sure that my sins are forgiven and that I'm going to heaven. At the count of three, slip your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Right now. How many others? One, two, three, four. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Back over here. Thank you. Now, everyone with an upraised hand, I want you to get out of your seat. Come down here with me because I'm going to give you a free book. My book, The New Life, The Start of Something, if I have any with me. But if not, I'll give you something else. Come on down. I'm going to pray with you. I said I would pray with you. That's right. There's rejoicing in heaven. God bless you. Come on down. Come on down here. Come on down. I'm so proud of you. You know, I know it took a lot of courage for you to get out of your seat and come down here. But today, a miracle is going to happen, the greatest miracle you've ever experienced. Every sin you've ever, we've all sinned, haven't we? And you know, that's the starting point. We have to admit it. That's what God likes. If we make excuses, uh, cover up, we don't get forgiveness. But if we admit it, we get forgiveness. Now, there's somebody out there that really wanted to be up here. In fact, they're, they're, uh, they're having sort of... Um, fever flashes or something right now, knowing they should have been up here. And I really wish that person would come because this is your miracle day. Everything's about to change. You've got a great future. You have a wonderful future. And the distractions have come, I know, I know. God has given you such a powerful, do you know what? You might be an apostle. Who knows? You might be the next billionaire business person. You don't have to understand it all, but you got to believe it. We're all going to help you pray. And you don't have to get on your knees or anything. I'm going to. But I'll lead you in this prayer, but you got to mean it from your heart, okay? Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. I'm so sorry, and I'm willing to turn from it. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you were raised from the dead. And right now, at Amazing Grace Church, on September 15th, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord and my only hope of ever having a home in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. I have a home in heaven and a brand new start in life. Beginning now. Amen. Amen. I'm proud of you, man. God bless you. I'm really proud of you. People say, is it that simple? God made it simple so somebody like me could get saved. Now listen, I don't know if I've got any New Life books or do, do you have a... No, okay. Uh, then just go ask my table out there and you can have one of anything you want, okay? I'm really proud of you. I know it took a lot of courage. You're amazing. You guys are so amazing. No wonder they call this Amazing Grace Church because you're all so amazing. Thanks, buddy. Chuck, I love you, man. Love you, too. Thank you. The more, I, the more I get to know Pastor Jolliffe's team, the more I really love you. Oh, yeah, give him, give him one of those. That, the, how, how, to, how to have the best year of your life. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. 
Okay, let's, how many want to have glory encounters in your life? Let's stand to our feet, and I'm going to close it up, close it down. Let's just reach up one hand to heaven, one hand on your heart. Now, Father, I pray for the precious people here today. I pray for you, Pastor Jolliffe and Sharon, Chuck and Carrie, Jeff and Olivia, Grandma in the in the nursery, in the with the children, all the workers and leaders of this church, every member, every attender of this church. I pray for you. Through the name of our Lord Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, honoring God the Father, I call for glory encounters of the manifest presence of God in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your business, in your neighborhood, in your community. I pray that beginning right now, in your early times, with the Lord in the morning as you pray and read. I pray that glory encounters will come to you. Your ears will be tuned to the voice of God. Your spiritual eyes will be tuned to visions and dreams. And I pray that from this word, you will have glory encounter after glory encounter as you represent Jesus everywhere you walk. I pray this is a blessing for you, my brother, my sister. I speak it because I believe it. And because I believe it, I decree it for you now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. And thank you, Amazing Grace. Hallelujah. If we could um, have our prayer team come on up to the altar, those of you that uh, do our praying here. And I heard the, 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 I felt like I heard the Lord say, so personalize your activation. And uh, so we did the general pray together. But there are those of you that are here that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit or you need, uh, in your experience with the Lord, you're, you're going through a battle right now. So as we close out this morning's service, we want to create that opportunity for you to come up here for prayer. Uh, if you need healing in your body, uh, look, God's a healer. You heard it right here. Amen. And uh, so don't walk away from it. Just allow, if, the, if you need something, that's why these folks are here. We're going to pray. We're going to dismiss. And then as we do, then you guys, uh, we welcome you to here to the altar to be prayed with.